0: This is Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. We explore the competing and varied beliefs that shape our world, how we engage, react, and understand the events unfolding around us. On February 7th, President Biden delivered his State of the Union. In 2022, according to Nielsen ratings, nearly 38 million tuned in to watch his first address. Arguably, it is the biggest live televised audience he'll have all year. The speech reveals not just the administration's priorities and values, but the fault lines in our politics. Overall, the themes President Biden struck led to several bipartisan applause lines and even chants of USA. But there was one issue that reminded viewers that the chamber is still divided. That issue, the southern border.
1: Despite Democrats' trillions in reckless spending and mountains of debt... We now have the worst border crisis in American history.
0: That's Sarah Huckabee Sanders delivering the Republican rebuttal. She's a newly elected governor of the state of Arkansas. Here she is conflating migrants with drug cartels and criminals. And she's sounding a lot like her former boss. As a mom, my heart breaks for every parent who has lost a son or daughter to addiction
1: largely from fentanyl pouring across our southern border. Yet the Biden administration refuses to secure the border and save American
2: lives.
0: If it feels like deja vu, you're not alone. Families and migrants, many women and unaccompanied minors, have been seeking refuge in the United States for several years, many embarking on dangerous and uncertain journeys to flee violence. Yet that story is increasingly overshadowed by a different narrative, one told from the perspective of fear of being invaded and threatened.
2: We are deploying Texas National Guard soldiers and Department of Public Safety troopers to enforce the law at the border. And
3: we are targeting the Mexican drug cartels who traffic people,
2: weapons, and drugs into our state.
4: For whatever reason, the Biden administration has made the decision to keep our borders open. Uh, No one can understand why that's happened.
0: It's not a coincidence that Republicans are making this issue a priority. In the spring of 2022, the New York Times obtained a confidential memo authored by Republican Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, encouraging Republicans to stick to a familiar script. The memo recommended portraying migrants as a threat, not refugees, highlighting instead criminal activity, the victims of crimes, and the flow of illicit drugs like fentanyl. But most importantly, to lay the blame on President Biden, accusing him of supporting open borders. It's reminiscent of President Trump's message to rally the Republican base.
3: They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people.
0: During the 2020 elections, then-candidate Biden promised change.
4: If I'm elected president, we're going to immediately end Trump's assault on the dignity of immigrant communities. We're going to restore our moral standing in the world and our, our historic role as a safe haven for refugees and asylum seekers.
0: That was April 6, 2020, in a speech at the National Immigration Law Center. The Trump-era immigration policies included family separation intended to deter migrants from seeking asylum. The cruelty led to new voices and a new generation of faith-based activism around refugees and migrants. Faith leaders across the ideological spectrum demanded change. The public wanted an end to cruel policies. Biden pledged to reverse course. And in the first 100 days of office, he issued a series of early executive actions and policy changes that ended travel bans, ceased construction on the border wall, and prioritized ending the practice of separating minors from their families. But not all the policies were reversed. The effective ban on asylum continued under Title 42 a CDC public health rule issued during the Trump administration that was used to effectively suspend entry to migrants seeking asylum? Under pressure from advocates, in April 2022, the Biden administration sought to end the public health rule. But a challenge mounted by 20 Republican-controlled states stalled those efforts in courts. In anticipation of Title 42 ending by the end of the year, migrants seeking asylum began to head for the border, hoping to gain entry. The numbers reflecting the two-year backlog of migrants and families swelled. Then Republican governors in Florida, Texas, and Arizona began sending migrants on buses to New York, Washington, D.C., and beyond. Now, I should say, it's not unusual for migrants to leave a port of entry and head for cities across the country. And those efforts are often coordinated with local city and state officials. But what happened in December was not coordinated and felt more like political theater. More than 100 migrants from Texas, including children, were dropped outside the vice president's residence in sub-freezing temperatures on Christmas Eve. Humanitarian groups gave them blankets, warm clothes, food, and shelter. Under mounting political pressure, the Biden administration signaled a shift. On January 5th, the president announced a new deal with Mexico and unveiled plans to deter migrants from coming to the southern border.
4: Today, I'm announcing that Mexico has agreed to allow up to to return up to 30,000 persons per month who are apprehended while attempting to unlawfully cross the border, the southwest border. My message is this. If you're trying to leave Cuba, Nicaragua, or Haiti, or have agreed to begin a journey to America, do not, do not just show up at the border. Stay where you are and apply legally from there.
0: The proposed rule, if you wanted to enter the United States instead of approaching the border and declaring your intent to seek asylum, you now had to submit an application online using a smartphone. You have to have a valid passport, be able to identify an American resident who could sponsor you, and have the funds to purchase transportation.
4: Let me reiterate, you need a lawful sponsor in the United States of America, number one. And you need to undergo a rigorous background check. If your application is denied or you attempt to cross into the United States unlawfully, you will not be allowed to enter.
0: Two weeks later, a coalition of interfaith groups held a press conference. President Biden announced his plans to issue a rule that would permanently deny asylum to migrants that do not request protection in a country through which they traveled en route to the U.S., or who entered the US without notifying a border agent. This inhumane and illegal proposal is not new. It was previously pursued by former President Trump and led to nearly eliminated access to asylum, family separations, prolonged detention, and countless returns of vulnerable people to harm. In a strongly worded letter, 160 faith leaders representing a cross-section of religious denominations, faith-based organizations, and community groups denounced the ban. Speaking at the press conference, Mark Hatfield, leader of the world's oldest refugee organization, invoked the painful lessons of turning away refugees.
2: Hi, the, the agency that I represent is over 100 years old. We're certainly old enough to remember 1939. When the United States had no asylum laws, when the Roosevelt administration refused to allow the SS St. Louis to dock in Miami, in spite of the fact, or maybe more accurately, because of the fact that the ship held over 900 Jewish passengers who were fleeing Nazi Germany. The United States turned back that ship to Europe and 254 of its passengers perished in the Holocaust. Asserting that never again would people be trapped inside of their country of persecution, the international community established and the United States ratified the Refugee Convention. Unlike back then, the U.S. now has asylum laws, but the Biden transit ban will literally place those laws out of reach. This is illegal and this is immoral. We urge the administration and Congress to resource the asylum system so that it can make timely and fair decisions, rather than to relegate asylum as a right that exists only on paper and that can be neither accessed nor exercised, which is what this NPRM, this Notice of Public Rulemaking, would do.
0: Also speaking at the press conference was Krish O'Mara Vignaraja. She's the CEO and president of the Lutheran Immigrant and Refugee Services.
5: This hits home for religious organizations who have been serving some of the most vulnerable for decades. This isn't charity for us. This is how our supporters live out their faith and answer that higher call to welcome the stranger in
0: need. This policy privileges those migrants and asylum seekers who have wealth and access to resources. There is a baseline
5: misconception that all those in need of humanitarian relief will have a valid passport access to a cell phone and reliable Wi-Fi, sufficient funds to cover airfare, and a willing sponsor in the U.S. to take financial responsibility for them. Many people simply don't have the luxury of waiting. Grim reality is that their best possible option is making the perilous journey to the U.S. border to seek asylum. To think that this administration would bar them from asylum eligibility, eligibility simply for having transited through other countries to get here, is deeply disconcerting. And yet that policy, one originally championed by the Trump administration, is exactly what the Biden administration appears poised to propose.
0: Three days after the Interfaith Immigration Coalition and the Welcome with Dignity campaign delivered a letter signed by 150 faith leaders, another group emerged to challenge the president's change in transit policy for asylum seekers ranking members from his own party.
3: Today, we sent a letter signed by nearly 80 members of Congress from both chambers, which expressed our concern that President Biden is reversing his promise to restore access to asylum at our southern border. Our letter, which was co-led in the Senate by Senators Booker, Lujan and Padilla, and in the House by Representatives Ocasio-Cortez, Grijalva and Casar, condemns the administration's expansion of Title 42 and it urges the president to reconsider his decision to create a new transit ban. Now anyone who tells you that the only way to secure our border is to punish asylum seekers is lying. It's why we are appalled to see President Biden replicate President Trump's immigration strategy. The right to seek asylum is enshrined in both international and domestic law.
0: Also speaking at the press conference, California's Representative Judy Chu linked the expansion of the policy to a growing animus towards newcomers.
1: Title 42 contributes to the growing problems of xenophobia and anti-immigrant violence by painting those crossing the border as uniquely dangerous compared to other travelers.
0: Representative Yvette Clark from New York focused on a less talked about criticism of the Biden administration's immigration policy, a racial bias.
1: I stand before you today urging this administration to reverse course on Title 42 and the proposed asylum transit ban. It is a harmful policy that disproportionately affects black immigrants, immigrants of color, and creates life-threatening conditions
3: for immigrants seeking refuge at our borders.
0: The most outraged, the senior senator from Massachusetts, Edward Markey.
3: Donald Trump spearheaded a campaign to implement inhumane and immoral immigration policies, so I am extremely dismayed and disappointed by the Biden administration's decision to expand its use. We must respect international law and our nation's historical commitment to offering protection in the United States to those who have none at home. Mr. President, we expect better, we demand better, and we're going to continue to work as hard as we can to ensure that we put a humane policy on the books.
0: After months of mounting criticisms from Republicans and Democrats, I was curious Will President Biden talk about asylum and asylum seekers at the State of the Union? And if he does, which narrative will he use? During the speech that ran an hour and 13 minutes, he dedicated exactly 65 seconds to the subject of the border.
4: We now have a record number of personnel working to secure the border, arresting 8,000 human smugglers, seizing over 23,000 pounds of fentanyl in just the last several months. We've launched a new border plan last month. Unlawful migration from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela has come down 97% as a consequence of that. But American border problems won't be fixed until Congress acts If we don't pass my comprehensive immigration reform, at least pass my plan to provide the equipment and officers to secure the border. (laughs) And a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers, those on temporary status, farm workers, essential workers. Here in the People's House, it's our duty to protect all the people's rights and freedoms. Congress must restore the right. The
0: The day after the State of the Union, I spoke with Joan Rosenhauer, the leader of the Jesuit Refugee Services USA. Joan, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Yesterday, uh, President Biden delivered his State of the Union. Did you have an opportunity to watch it?
1: Yes, I did.
0: I would love to hear your reaction to what you heard yesterday
1: we wanted to hear from him a more direct uh, message addressing the situation of the asylum process in the U.S. because through Title 42, it had been essentially shut down and the U.S. has not been a country that welcomes people who are fleeing violence and persecution and are trying to just find safety and, and, and protection and historically we have been wanted to be that kind of uh, light to the world that we are a place where people can find protection who are fleeing violence and persecution so the fact that he didn't address reopening an asylum system and investing in a system that is functional and that really works both to protect our borders appropriately and to allow people who are legitimately fleeing for their lives to come into the country.
0: You are a longtime advocate. You know that the election cycle for the next presidential run is coming up 2024. In fact, in most of the commentary after the State of the Union, many said this was a preview of what a re-election bid might sound like. From President Biden. I am curious what that's going to do to the issue of immigration and specifically the treatment of asylum seekers.
1: Well, I am concerned that uh, politics will lead to, uh, you know, kind of a con- continuation of uh, keeping people out and an asylum s- system that is not working. And, uh, you know, that may be perceived as a positive uh, a political approach. But I think that really the American people are generally very uh, kind and supportive and of, of people who are in need, people who are facing violence around the world. And we recognize that newcomers to the U.S., including people who are in the process of, of receiving asylum and uh, who you know have received asylum, They contribute in very important ways to our communities, and we need workers in many of our communities and in many of our industries. So I I think there is a recognition that this can be a real positive for the United States, but I definitely am concerned that that will not be how it is framed by political leaders as they campaign uh, in in preparation for the next election.
0: I never heard the word asylum seeker from the president. Did you? No.
1: No. That is precisely was a real concern for us, that we like the idea of comprehensive immigration reform as a general concept. But for that, the devil is in the details. And what wasn't addressed was the need to reopen our asylum see- system and invest in it and uh, structure it so that It works both to protect our border appropriately and keeping, you know, the people we don't want, the criminals and, you know, but allowing, keeping them out, but allowing people who are fleeing for their lives and, and fleeing persecution and violence to come to the United States and find safety and then be able to contribute in our communities.
0: Last night in the State of the Union, especially as it related to drug trafficking and the rise of fentanyl overdose deaths in the United States, there seemed to be this attempt to link fentanyl and immigrants.
4: We now have a record number of personnel working to secure the border, arresting 8,000 human smugglers, seizing over 23,000 pounds of fentanyl in just the last several months.
0: What's your reaction to that? I see that as
1: absolutely not a legitimate framing. Um, We have staff on both sides of the border in uh, Ciudad Juarez and in El Paso who every day are meeting with people who are seeking asylum in the United States, and they are women with children who have fled incredible violence and experienced horrible, uh, uh, even torture in some cases, their families. They're uh, people who are just trying to find safety in the United States and contribute. It is completely uh, you know, wrong to paint all these people as uh, people who are going to uh, be criminals or in some ways uh, be detrimental to the United States. We meet the people all the time, and they are going to be assets in the United States if they're allowed to come in. And find safety and establish themselves and contribute as workers and uh, more generally in their communities.
0: It sounds almost like you're concerned of a return of an anti-immigrant campaign narrative.
1: Yes, I think that's always a concern. I have often been asked if I were in the situations that people have faced, where their children are at risk of violence or death or being you know raped or whatever the the risk is if i were in that situation what would i do and i would do whatever it took to protect my children and they are just like me and that's all they're trying to do and they want to come here and contribute in a positive way to uh, their communities in the united states we should we should give them a place to be safe and allow them to do that
0: Are you articulating a desire for just an open border? Are you dismissing the notion that there are potential bad actors that could be, you know, among those approaching and interested in entering the U.S.?
1: No, of course not. The first thing I say is that an effective asylum policy, one that protects our borders in appropriate ways, that that keeps the people who should not be allowed in out, but doesn't keep everybody out. That allows people who have a legitimate fear, who want to contribute, to to have a an effective system for be, coming into the United States and finding safety and rebuilding their lives.
0: How would you articulate the kind of the driving value of Jesuit Relief Services? We
1: uh, honor the dignity of every person, and we, you know, want to love our neighbor and recognize our neighbor in every person. And we are committed to accompaniment, uh, to walking with people on their journey and trying to help them as they, you know, proceed on their journey to find safety, to build a a better life for themselves and to escape the violence and persecution that they've been experiencing.
0: Joan Rosenhauer, thank you for joining me on Inspired. Thank you for having me. Joan Rosenhauer, leader of the Jesuit Refugee Services USA, an international Catholic organization with a mission to accompany, serve, and advocate on behalf of refugees and other forcibly displaced persons. For months, there have been growing calls for political leaders to fix the problem by improving coordination and resources to meet the needs of newcomers seeking refuge. One of those advocates is the leader of the nation's largest immigration coalition, He's from a city where he says welcoming the stranger is in their DNA. He doesn't see a migrant crisis, but an opportunity to fix a broken system. My conversation with Marada Wilda when we return. Stay with us. You're listening to Inspired by Interfaith Voices. (music)